0: As some have performed, no one comes close to Jesus. We simply spend a brief moment thinking about it. Who are the men and women that you have admired, right? Perhaps even your your mom, your dad, your grandma, your grandpa, and aunt, and uncle. Who's been the the great president of your lifetime, even. You think upon that person, do they come close to Jesus? Even going back beyond our generation, back even to the beginning of the time, we have the testimony of Jesus himself proclaiming of John the Baptist. There is no one greater born of woman than John the Baptist. Remember his life. A miraculous birth his mother and father, unable to have children. But then comes that blessed gift. John is born. It's accompanied by that miraculous sign where his father's voice was taken for a time. But as soon as John is born, the father's voice is restored. And he is able to say, his name is John. And John grows in wisdom and in knowledge. He is a favorite of the community. He never misbehaves as he's growing up. We can imagine how proud his parents are of him. There he is, the example, the one who's going to do something special. And then God calls him out to the wilderness. Now perhaps there's some consternation on the part of his parents. You know, we can maybe imagine that neighbors are dropping by and say, "Oh, what is John up to these days? Oh, I bet he's off studying at the, the university there in Jerusalem. I, I bet you know he's accomplishing great things." And then his mom and dad had to say, "Well, um, uh, no, he is living alone in, in the desert." fasting. Go oh, praying, praying, certainly. We're in that robe of, of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, eating, you know, honey and grasshoppers to survive.
1: You know, maybe as, as
0: moms and, and dads, we could uh, imagine to ourselves, you know, my, my gifted son is off living by himself in the desert. I'm kind of, you know, maybe not so happy about that, but You know, there he was, obeying God. And then the Word of God comes. You know, it is your time, John. It's your time to go and make the path straight for the Lord. You are the herald of Jesus. You are the one who is going before Him. You are the one who through His life has shown He has the ability to be the standard bearer for the Messiah. Is it any wonder that Jesus can testify of John the Baptist? He is the greatest. He is the most holy, the most pure human being ever to have lived. And yet, even the Baptist failed Didn't he? Because he was expecting Jesus to come and set the world right. He was expecting a superhuman Messiah. Someone beyond human ability. Someone who would never suffer. Someone who would never lose. Someone whose will would be imposed upon the society and who would set everything to a new standard. And now there is John the Baptist in prison. Inconceivable. How could the forerunner of the Christ be locked in prison? How would that even be allowed? How would the king of kings standard bearer be taken, be locked away, be treated poorly? For, as we kind of understand, if you treat the standard bearer poorly, it shows your disrespect for the king of kings, doesn't it? If you treat the representative badly, it demonstrates you could care less about the one that you represent. And such things simply would not be allowed to continue. They should not be happening. How could this slight occur? And John wonders all of these things. And John certainly perhaps experiences a kind of midlife crisis there in the prison as he looks back over the course of his life. And he says, you know, look at the things I sacrificed. Look at the things I gave up. Look at the things I went without. Only to end up here. And so John the Baptist failed. And he calls his disciples to the prison and he says to them, you know what, I want you to go to Jesus and I want you to ask him, are you the one who is to come or should we be looking for somebody else? Well, certainly a a logical human question, right? Right? If God called me from within my mother's womb and ordained that I would be the prophet of the day and then I'm going out doing the job to the best of my ability, refraining from sin, leading a pure and holy life, and then I get locked up in prison, it's logical to assume maybe the Messiah hasn't arrived yet. And maybe Jesus isn't really the right one. And maybe I made a mistake. That would explain why I'm in the prison. The real Jesus, He hasn't stepped forward yet. That could explain it. And so I want you guys to go and ask. Well, right there, John failed, didn't he? He fell into sin. Just as every single person falls into sin. Every other religion, their leader falls into sin at some point. Even the great Buddha, right? The legends are written about and how he wouldn't even harm a tiny little fly, even he falls into sin. And of course his greatest sin is his arrogance, believing he can achieve heaven apart from the death, the help, the love of Jesus, our Saviour. You see, that is what people fail to understand, even at Jesus' time. If we're going to make it into heaven, well, none of us can do it. Every single one has fallen short. Whether it was so, Sin of incredible magnitude when you cursed the name of the Lord as you murdered one of his servants or whether it was simply that you broke a tiny little part of one of the least, we might say, of the command. We we're reading through that word of God, and you came across that passage, and it said, "Oh, you know this uh, this little thing here." And well, wow, who cares about that? That part's not really that important to me. Oh, what, 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 what are you the the thought police now? You're saying I'm not supposed to covet it my neighbor's stuff? Come on, everybody does that. Then why should I have to worry about that? And why should that be a big deal? Well, it's a big deal simply because God said that it was. And so again, whether we're on the one side of this spectrum, murdering one of the prophets of God, or we're on the other side, and all we did was covet our neighbor's new car. No matter where we are in the spectrum, we've fallen into sin, we failed at some point, we need a Savior. And we need a Savior who's willing to pay the price for our sin. See, out of all the religions in the world, Jesus Christ is the only one who lays down His life for His people. Jesus Christ is the only single one who shed His blood and died to open the way to heaven for all believers. Jesus Christ is the only king of kings who ever came into this world seeking to serve rather than to be served. He is the only one who ever desired our well-being above his own. And no one could quite understand what to make of that. Oh yes, the nation of Israel, they knew what it was to have a king. They knew what it was to have the man of God, David, the one who was named a man after God's own heart. Yes, They knew what it was to have David as a king. Remember the man that took many different wives. The man who not content with the number of wives that he had that took his neighbor's wife into his home. And when he got her pregnant, he sent her husband to the front line and told the general to pull back all the rest of the troops and allow Uriah the Hittite to be surrounded and murdered in the course of the war. See, the nation of Israel, they knew what it was to have a king. They knew what it was to have a king, Solomon, who increased taxes, who brought in the wealth of the world, who lived in pomp and circumstance and had hundreds of wives in his personal harem. Oh, they knew what it was to have a great king. Renowned throughout the world for his wisdom, bringing in every altar to every false god in his nation to please his hundreds of wives. They knew what it was to have a great king. And so that is what they expect. They expect Jesus, the very Son of God, he will do those very same kinds of things, but he will do them God's way right? And he will live in pomp and circumstance, but he will do it according to the word of God. And he will have great power and command armies, but he will do it righteously. And there he will be in his palace on the hill, making wise decisions according to God. And all nations will come to Him and they will bow down and they will worship Him and He will finally be worth it. And now comes Jesus. The God who bleeds. The God who dies. It's not what we expect. Some of men throughout the ages, it seems, command such power that no one could think of laying a hand upon them. So the legends of great warriors throughout human history have come to a place in their career where no one will go out against them them because they're just no they're going to lose if they do. And of such men it's even written that they could drive through a valley full of rattlesnakes and the rattlesnakes even would crawl away because of their personal power. And there's peace all around now because King so-and-so has risen to the height of his glory and no one can touch him. And here is Jesus today. Isaiah foretold that his face was so dis. during the time of his beating that he was unrecognizable. As he begins to carry his cross up the hill, we come to understand his physical powers failed him. Look, kind of expect Jesus to be like Samson, don't son of God he picked up his little toothpick cross and you know he just strode up the hill with it on his back on the way to his sacrifice. But no, Jesus having been now awake for more than 24 hours having been whipped by Pilate as, as Pilate attempted this punishment and that punishment to avoid the eventual crucifixion. For, you know, behind the scenes, you know, Pilate's wife had had a dream that if Pilate crucified Jesus, it would be the destruction of his personal life. And so his wife is coming to him behind the scenes and saying, you cannot crucify Jesus. You must let Jesus go. I had this very vivid dream. And, you know, for for Pilate... Now, the dream world, that, that was something important in his pagan rituals. And so, for his wife to come and say, I had a dream, you have to spare the Christ, it meant something. Maybe his wife's dream would come to fruition. He needed to spare Jesus. And so, as we're traveling through the courtroom scenes, that remains in the back of our mind. Pilate comes out and, and he says, you know, this man has done nothing wrong. And then the high priest will respond with something, and, and then Pilate says, well, I will have him punished. And, and so he's beaten. And he comes back, and he says, here is Jesus, I want to let him go. I have a standard. We can let one prisoner go for the Passover. Shall I release him? Oh, no. Not him. Well, I have, I'll have him whipped. I'll have him beaten some more. I'll bring him back out. His face so disfigured. He's unrecognizable. And, no, it's not enough. Crucify him. The crowd crucify Him. We don't care that He's been with. We don't care that He has black eyes and His face is all puffy and He looks terrible. We don't care that He's been physically beaten down. We want Him crucified. And so now, the the beaten Christ, the exhausted Christ, the whipped and the broken Christ carrying his cross up the hill. And he falls. And he fails. And the Romans seeing the shaking taking place within his body, understanding that he is not just being lazy or he's not... Just you know, trying to delay the inevitable. They call for a man from the crowd. You come and carry the cross. For he can't go on. And they can see that outward sign and, you know, they're they're skilled soldiers and and they know exactly what's happening. And so we imagine, you know, there is Jesus just shaking. And he he can't lift the cross. They can see him trying, but he can't do it. He's completely exhausted. He expected. He makes it to the top of the hill. They stretch His arms out upon the cross and with these hardened Roman soldiers used to what comes next. The, the men, the women that are crucified, that they curse They swear that they call out blasphemies. That They call upon the the Lord God to strike these men down who are abusing them in such a way. And they put the nails into the hands and the feet of Jesus. And there's no cursing. There's no swearing. There's no blaspheming. There's no talk about their mother. But rather, as Jesus hangs upon the cross, he proclaims these words, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Makes a little chill, kind of go down the back of your neck, doesn't it? No one before had ever uttered those words in their experience. He bleeds. And yet he remains without sin. He's treated unfairly, he's greatly abused, he's incredibly tortured, and he remains without sin. And yet, kings don't get tortured, do they? And yet, people with personal power are not mocked and ridiculed. And yet, if somehow this were really the Christ, these things could not be done to him. Certainly, we can continue moving forward. Certainly, this cannot be the very God. God. Even one of the thieves on the one side, right? He doesn't quite get it, does he? There that man hangs upon the cross and he says, hey buddy, if you're so great, why don't you come down from the cross and rescue me too? Prove yourself. If you're really the son of God, don't just take it. Come on, get up. Go one more round. Save me. Help me. The other thief, though, he had come to understand, hadn't he? He responds, You know what, friend? As for you and me, we deserve what's happening, us. But this man has done nothing wrong. This man is innocent. And Jesus turns to uh, that man, that man who has no chance now to do good works after his repentance. Uh, That man who is at the very last hour of his life. Jesus turns to him and he says, Today you will be with me in paradise. One of the thieves got it at least, didn't he? Jesus, when he was in front of Pilate, he had responded to Pilate's questioning, and he had said, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would be raiding your palace right now to get me out of here. Yeah, a little paraphrase. But my kingdom is not of this world. You see, everyone was expecting this royal king who lived in pomp and circumstance with great personal power to come into this world and make the political systems over. And Jesus, our Lord and Savior, came into this world to offer up his life as a sacrifice to open the gates of heaven for all who come to believe. We have a Savior who bled. We have a Savior who died. And He did it all for you. And He did it for me. Amen. And now may the grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be in your hearts and minds now and always. Amen.